The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Univox Business Phones. Keep your business running from anywhere. We're here to help with custom promotions and solutions tailored to your needs. That's Univox Business Phones. Hey everybody, happy Tuesday. At least I think it's Tuesday. This is the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Thank you very much for being with me as we broadcast once again from the secret bunker, the secret lair of the Craig Folly Show. Actually, it's not that secret, but uh, anyway, it's kind of odd to be doing this from home. It's not the same vibe at all, and uh, hopefully, hopefully you're still finding something of value in this show each and every day. I appreciate the fact that you're downloading it in pretty good numbers these days, so thank you very much. Coming up on today's program, um, we are going to focus a little bit on some of the people who are doing something to help during this COVID-19 crisis. Not the politicians necessarily. This is going to be about some of the engineers and folks that are designing equipment that may help. In fact, some folks up in Michigan Tech, up in Houghton, up in the UP, working on some very cool technology, but very old school technology that might just help when it comes to the shortage of protective equipment that our frontline people are using these days when they're fighting the COVID crisis. So stick around. Andrew Barnard from uh, Michigan Tech is going to be joining me to talk about what they're working on up there. It's very cool. Stick around for The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Samaritas, the state's largest private foster care and adoption agency. However, Samaritas also provides a number of other services around the state. They are one of the largest refugee resettlement agencies in Michigan. They serve homeless families, persons with disabilities, abused and trafficked women. They also provide market rate and affordable housing for seniors and HUD housing for families and also have skilled nursing, memory care and rehab communities in Grand Rapids, Cadillac and Saginaw. Samaritas, we thank them for their support here at Deadline Detroit. Hey, Craig here. I do appreciate you uh, being here with me today. All right, so a lot of the coverage of the COVID crisis that we are seeing in the mainstream media is focused, of course, on what's going on in the community, things people are doing to help. Uh, And, you know, I definitely want to highlight some people in our state uh, that are doing some good work, so I'm going to do that today. And it seems to be a nice break from the political coverage of all of this because, you know, I do focus on politics. That's what I do, everybody. So people are like, well, take the politics out of this. It's hard to, especially when you cover politics and you talk about politics for a living, as I have for about 20 years now. So that is something that I do. But of course, I also talk to artists and I talk to people who are doing cool things around the community. But politics has been a big focus of what I do for a long, long time. So anytime I can highlight something that is going on outside of that realm, I like to do so. Um, So I will save my comments for uh, the president's briefings until Friday. I will save my comments on what's happening with Governor Whitmer and the stay-at-home order and the controversy around that. I will save that until Friday for the week that was. Right now, though, I do want to focus on something very, very cool that is happening up in Houghton, Michigan. Now, if anybody has ever been to Houghton, you know that it is the home of Michigan Tech University, a great school up there. And if you've ever listened to my program, you do know that I like to highlight cool research that is going on in our great university system here in the state of Michigan. Now, this is very, very cool. Now, this is an organization at Michigan Tech in the engineering department called the Great Lakes Research Center. My guest right now is Andrew Barnard. He's a mechanical engineer there and the director of the Great Lakes Research Center, and they are working on something called the MTU Sanitizer. 
Now, we know that hospitals have been suffering with a shortage of personal protective equipment that they use when they're treating patients. Well, what if we could increase the lifespan of that equipment, make it so it's not single use, make it so that the stuff can be reused safely? That's something that we need right now. Andrew Barnard is my guest. Andrew, welcome to the Craig Folly Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks. It's a pleasure to join you. Well, if anybody has ever listened to this program, they know that I like to highlight the cool work that is being done at our universities around the state. And it's not that often that I get to talk to Michigan Tech. Uh, I should do it more often because you guys are responsible for a lot of great stuff up there. This is something that is very, very needed in this time, uh, a mobile sanitizing unit uh, that is being developed uh, to, to clean PPE. Uh, first of all, tell me a little bit about the idea where it came from. Yeah, so the idea actually started with a phone call between my cousin and I. Um, he's an organic farmer and had been looking at his refrigerated trucks in his garage and thinking, boy, there ought to be a way that these could be used um, in in the crisis. And, you know, we came up with the idea of turning them into large heated chambers that are mobile, portable, and can be outfitted at a relatively low cost. When you're talking about, um, you know, hospital equipment, that's still expensive, but, but low cost compared to many other options. Um, so I, I gathered a few more engineers here at Michigan Tech and we got together and um, ran the numbers, did some math and, and uh, decided, yeah, this looks feasible. And uh, we were lucky enough that the College of Engineering agreed with us and decided to fund the project and, and off we went uh, building a prototype. Well, and, and you've got the prototype going here, uh, and the retrofit to these units is, it looks like it's relatively straightforward based on some of the photographs I've seen. Now, I don't, I'm not an engineer. How difficult was it to retrofit a, a refrigerated container car to something that is actually doing the exact opposite? So the, the hardest part was actually designing it so that it was easy, and that was our whole idea was to make this thing what we call massively scalable so that um, the parts are readily available almost anywhere in the country, and you don't need a lot of skills to put it together. So if you've got a local HVAC place and a, and a local electrician, you can build this thing in a few days. Um, and that was our intent in designing it, was not to use high-tech components, but to use low-tech components so that it could be um, rapidly scalable on a nationwide level. Well, and, and let's talk about what actually has to happen inside one of these units to, to be successful, to work properly. Uh, you need a temperature between 140 and 170 degrees Fahrenheit, correct? Correct. And we're actually operating right now at 170 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. And, and I'm assuming that will take care of just about any problem that might exist on some of this equipment. It takes care of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, which is, is what causes COVID-19. Um, and that's really what we're trying to do is to kill that virus in particular right now. Um, there are high temperature bacteria that may not be killed by this process, um, but we're really focusing on the emergent need that's immediate. Well, and, and uh, you know, I, I we hear a lot about some of the equipment shortages that we're seeing at some of the, especially some of the hospitals around Southeast Michigan and New York and other places that have been saturated with COVID-19 patients. Um, the idea that this could be a mobile unit seemed to be a big part of this, uh, that it could go from place to place if need be. I mean, how many of these uh, would you expect to see in action at some point? Well, that's a great question. You know, right now there's one. We have a manufacturing partner who's building the second um, version right now that should hopefully be done early next week. Uh, but we believe that once we figure out the manufacturing, these things can be built in a matter of days and they can be built on site wherever they're needed. So, uh, you know, my big vision would be to have 
one of these in some scale or another at any hospital that needed to sanitize PPE um, because literally they can be built that quickly and built on site. Well, and talk about uh, from an efficiency standpoint, you know, how effective this would be for a hospital, not even in this situation, but just going forward. Right. So um, some of the other solutions that are out there require you to actually ship PPE to a sanitizing location. Um, we wanted to get around that step and actually put it right at the hospital. And the fact that it's large scale, we can clean about 5,000 units of PPE in roughly two hours um, makes it really attractive. Moving forward, of course, PPE is a, is a very costly item for hospitals because it is single use. And if they can, you know, in the future, reuse, even if it's only a certain number of times, say 10 to 20 times to reuse a certain piece of PPE, that's a big cost savings for hospitals. Well, and, and I love the fact that you guys basically sourced parts from this uh, from all kinds of different locations. I mean, this is like a junkyard find almost. Uh, very creative stuff here, but you figured out what you needed and you sourced it. Yeah, so we sort of took the MacGyver approach, right? It's, it's high-tech engineering using low-tech components. Um, so we used residential furnaces and, and ducting and uh, electrical components that we could go to our, our local grocery store slash hardware store and, and buy it in Houghton. So we like to say if you can find it in Houghton and build it here, you can build it anywhere in the country. Well, and that would be the goal. Um, uh, you know, obviously, you don't look like you're uh, interested in getting into the manufacturing of these on a large scale, but um, is this a, a design you would be willing to to sell and, and not necessarily sell, but just give to people that might need it? Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're currently working with our university um, commercialization off, office to figure out exactly how we're going to do that. Um, but we would like to have manufacturing partners who are interested in, in making this. Uh, our next immediate step is to get FDA approval, and we're working on that process right now. Um, and once that's done, then, then we can really start looking at trying to mass manufacture it using industrial partners. You know, our, our university is not the right way to mass manufacture something. We're good at coming up with the idea, but then we, we go to the real manufacturing experts to to make it. Well, talk about the interest that you've gotten uh, uh, around this. Uh, I know you've got some downstate interest from some of our elected officials down here. Um, uh, Adam Ollier, I believe, is uh, one of the people who's been very interested in, in pushing this forward. Uh, what has been the response and, and who's asking for them? Yeah, the response has been um, really terrific, particularly from our elected officials, both on the state level and on the federal level. Um, we've had a lot of, uh, of push behind our effort and help getting into the FDA approval process. So that's, that's been terrific. Um, we've got several hospital partners that are interested in using the technology after it's, it's gone through the FDA emergency use uh, authority approval process, which we hope will, will be done this week. Um, and we're also have interested parties outside of hospitals. Um, we've had several inquiries from uh, firefighters. So one of the concerns they have is when they uh, come back from a call, how do they disinfect their turnout gear? Um, it's, it's large scale gear, it's hard to wash, and a system like ours would be ideal for, uh, for helping them protect themselves as well. We've thought about doing things like medical gurneys from ambulances because our, our system is so large scale, you could lit literally wheel a gurney right in there and disinfect it in a couple hours. Yeah, and, and you know, 
I'm a little bit shocked and, and uh, you know, no disrespect intended in any way that, that somebody hasn't figured this out before, um, a, you know, a mobile unit for disinfecting this equipment. Uh, I, I guess desperate times call for desperate measures, but this seems like something that's going to live well beyond uh, this coronavirus crisis. Yeah, we hope so. And, and I would say there are several other folks out there that are working on this problem, have developed solutions. Um, we intentionally went as low tech as possible because we wanted to make something that's massively available. Um, so there's a lot of different, different types of solutions out there and really getting through the approval process to call your device a sanitizing device. Um, the, the, the FDA approval process is, is really very difficult. Um, so I think that's the reason you don't see more of these things. Um, and you just have to be very careful with what you're claiming you can do. And, and we're really just, right now focusing on the SARS-CoV-2 um, virus and, and uh, deactivating that virus on PPE and other types of materials. Oh, well, I should remind folks, my guest right now is Andrew Barnard. He's the mechanical, he's a mechanical engineer at Michigan Tech and the director of the Great Lakes Research Center. We're talking about a new a mobile uh, unit that will basically sterilize and, and clean up PPE stuff uh, in a mobile unit that they're devising there. Um, I want to ask you this from a personal standpoint, you know, what does it mean for you to be able to, uh, you know, have some sort of a hand in, in helping out in a crisis like this? Yeah, it means a lot. Um, you know, I, I, myself and a, a team of eight other researchers here at Tech um, spent about 14 hours a day together for a week trying to put this together. And really, um, it was a wonderful experience for all of us, uh, besides just getting us out of the house, which was nice. It really allowed us to feel like, you know, we were helping our frontline healthcare workers, which we know is, um, you know, they're, they're the heroes in, in this, this whole uh, event. So any little thing we can do to try to help them, I think, um, is worth all the time and effort that we've been putting in. And it, it feels good to, to be making an effort to help that group. Well, what you call a little thing could potentially be a huge thing. And, uh, you know, given uh, what we're dealing with down here in Metro Detroit, uh, the numbers that we've got and, and the needs uh, for, for good and clean equipment is, is huge. So we thank you down here. We appreciate it. And uh, just know that us trolls do appreciate what you youpers are up to. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. All right. Andrew Barnard, we appreciate your time, sir. Congratulations and uh, keep plugging. Will do. And thanks for having me. Andrew Barnard is a mechanical engineer at Michigan Tech and the director of the Great Lakes Research Center. We certainly do appreciate him being on the program here today and uh, really appreciate the work that they are doing up there to help keep us all safe. Well, thanks for listening to the show today. It was kind of a short one, but hey, I figured we'd do something positive and uh, hear about some cool stuff going on in our state in response to this crisis. In the meantime, if you like this program, if you appreciate it, do me a favor, subscribe to it rate it. All that good stuff, it all helps and uh, keeps us going for a little bit longer. And hopefully, hopefully, pretty soon, we'll be able to get back to doing things the way we used to with our Facebook live broadcasts and live in-studio guests and all that fun stuff and actually recording from an actual studio. That might not be too bad. I'll share a picture of my current studio for you in a little bit. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. Maybe I'll put it up there with a post today on this one. But um, in the meantime, reach out to me. Send me an email, thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com. You can also send me messages on social media, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. I'm there on all those, and uh, you can reach me there as well. In the meantime, hang in there. It looks like it looks like things are starting to trend in the right direction when it comes to the number of new infections, and hopefully the death rate slows down significantly here in our state so that we can get back to normal in a responsible fashion. 
I know everybody's impatient. I know it's difficult for everyone in this time to sit inside, not do the things we're used to doing. Um, we just need to do this the right way. And we need to listen to the medical experts about what they suggest is safe. Because the worst thing we could do is to jump into things too quickly and just reinflame this whole situation. We do not want to do that. And it looks like, it looks like the steps we have taken thus far are starting to have an impact on this disease. Flattening that curve, getting us to where we need to be. And I know we all want to get back to doing what we were doing before and get back to our regular lives and start earning money again and all that important stuff. And it is critical. Hopefully. There's a light at the end of the tunnel here, and it's not a train. I don't think it is. It seems like we're doing things the right way. But I'm going to save all my comments for politics and all that kind of stuff for Friday. That's when we do that, on the week that was here on the Craig Folly Show. That'll be Friday. Nancy and Alan and I will get back together to go over the news of the week. We'll talk about the president's briefings. We'll talk about the stay-at-home order here in Michigan and the controversy that's surrounding that. We'll get into all of those things on Friday. And uh, we'll save it for then. Today, I wanted to do something a little bit more uplifting, and I hope you appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. Be safe. Thanks. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit. Deadline Detroit has some of the best journalists in the city. We're asking you to support independent local journalism by joining our $3 a month membership. By joining, you become eligible to win prizes, including tickets for sporting events and gift cards to some of Detroit's best restaurants. Just go to our website and click the ad at the top or go to www.deadlinedetroit.com membership.